So Nella, I was thinking about how my own evolution with painting started out with this line. I really like going on journeys, even if it's just sort of walking, I'll find myself going off down pathways and footpaths. I meant to go somewhere and then I end up who knows where, because I've just gone down this pathway that just looked enticing at the time, which is probably why I like doing this idea of a line. And it's my way of loosening up if I haven't painted or, or, or done stuff for a while. I'll just start off with a line and see where it takes me. And um, this was just my way of getting into it and getting into that, that, that way of being where I'm relaxed and I'm open and I'm not judging, and I'm not worrying, and I'm not thinking about practicalities. And I got to this, I didn't even have to go anywhere with this. I'd have a really big piece of paper on the wall, and I'd just start off. And I noticed that I would find myself with the curve of a line, often think of a skull, um, and I'd go with it, and i think, well, this is a head, and it's so, with, with, without having to worry about what is a head, it has two ears, it has two eyes, it has enough. With all of this, it's this thing I, I have about pareidolias that very little implies a head. All you need is like a curve, up, and it's a forehead, a brow, it's a nose. And, you know, when you're loose like this and you're not trying to imitate something that you're seeing in front of you, represent something, but you're coming from imagination. You can create mythic creatures that are, can be hybrids of animals and people, and you find yourself going into gods and angels and all sorts of things that way, which is a little bit of human, a little bit of animal, a little bit of something else. So I was doing that for a while, and then I was finding myself getting into landscape, especially when you've got horizontals and verticals. You quickly think of trees on a, or, you know, on a landscape. And then I wanted to find out what if it was, I wanted to stretch and this is, and, and dig and find, and this is this searching that we were talking about last, where what if I could find something, I could paint something or draw something that had nothing referential in it whatsoever, nothing that referenced human, being a human or being on this planet. Could I find the language of God if I just didn't do that? So it was kind of, don't go to that skull. Don't go to that animal. Don't do the landscape. What can I find? And it was so hard because mm. my, my mind and my eyes constantly wanted to fill in the gaps and say, well, this is really a, a dog's head or this is, no, don't do that. And I found that the way to avoid anything that was familiar to me or that I could reference as being a reality that I, I know and I'm familiar with. It took me to shapes. And I kept me with lines, just a line that seemed something that was open enough that might not be a landscape or horizon or a circle, maybe. I found myself curving round. I was going into this world of abstraction. That is nothing figurative, nothing referential. And it was taking me into geometry because it was shapes, it was lines, it was maybe a triangle, 
maybe across a spiral. Mm. And this was still something that I've seen in other art. You know, my, I do, I have this curiosity where I'm not going to keep myself so insulated that I'm not going to go to art exhibitions. I'm, I'm incredibly curious about watching films of other people, other artists painting or drawing. And so I do know that there was a point in the history of art where it became all about geometry and shapes. And I felt myself colliding with these artists and I understanding what they were trying to find, but also disappointed because I wasn't coming up with a completely alien language. It was a language that other people had discovered as well. But I, I, I reconcile myself to that because I felt like this geometry, these shapes was telling me something so deep. Yeah. And you know, because then you realize that every other artist is going through the same thing too. So we are reaching a level where that um, it's collective consciousness. And so that's another, another topic that is so important. How can I get to a point in art that I never read about it, I never saw it, and yet other artists are doing exactly the same thing too? How amazing is that? Yeah, art is so compelling because it's a media, it's a meditative state. You're, you're drawing a nude in front of you or a portrait. It, there is a meditative state to all of it. What's so fascinating is seeing it externalized, manifested, what's going on inside in, this, in these shapes and these figures. But also, as you say, tapping into a kind of a universal language yeah. Yeah. that... And I, I, with art more than anything, than, than the music or writing or acting, any, any other things that I've done in life, I really sealed myself off. It was like a, I would put myself in a laboratory. If I could just not have any outside stimulation, if I could just bring this out from inside, find out what was inside me and therefore what was deep in the universe, I felt like I was this channel to that. And then out came these shapes. And then I'm looking and I'm, I'm looking at other people's art that, you know, people who've transformed, you know, contemporary art and made and went through so much of rejection and vilified and despised for doing these bizarrely simple things, but this sense of commonality with them and everything they went through that I understood what they were doing from the inside because I, it was my own discovery. I found it step by step by this process and that we were tapping into, as you say, collective consciousness, but also I felt, and I didn't know anything about sacred ge geometry at that time, or I didn't do well with geometry at school, but suddenly here I was doing this geometry. And it, it made so much sense to me. It, it was speaking reams. It was speaking volumes to me. It was telling me truth, something so underlying. underlying. And the amazing thing is you discovered this on your own. No one told you these are the steps that you have to go through in order to get to from point A to point B. You did it on your own. And I feel that that's the proper way of doing it. You you cannot teach them. And one thing that I have to say that the, through the internet, I was able to see other artists that 
they evolved the same way as I did. And when I was feeling so down on myself and say, why is it that I can't, do I, I have the feeling, uh, the desire of always changing, always moving ahead, always exploring. But there was a true thing. There was a real thing. Why were you down on yourself about that? I mean, what was oh, because at the time it was exactly you're surrounded by galleries and other artists where they did the same thing because it worked. And they would have, you know, oh, you have to have a cohesive body of work. Then you'll be juried if you have a cohesive body of work. Then the moment I stopped caring, I found myself. And I said, no, I have to really find myself. Once I allowed myself to go through that, that's when I became aware that everybody else had the same feelings. Some stayed at point A because they didn't have the courage to move to point B. And others went just all the way because they did it. They explored. They allowed themselves to evolve. What's important is that we do it on our own, on our own speed, just like watching the baby taking those first steps and then start running. They do it on their own. Very little help from us. You can't, you can't teach. No, so that's what happened with you, you know, going to your geometry discovery. Of what you're saying is so true. If you're teaching, if you're, if you've given them a map, you say, I just want you to go from A to B to C, and that's, you've got to go to this town and then that town, and then they come back, and then I'm going to give you the prize. I don't feel a person really incorporates that into their being. They don't have it as their own. And it's a deficit. It's a constant need to refer to an outside authority for everything in your life at that point. You don't trust yourself. And I have to say that when I went into, into the Tate uh, Modern in, in London and I just saw this, this painter, massive painting on the wall, and I looked and I, and I understood that we had a similar sensibility. There was something about the lightness of his touches and it was so relaxed in the way he did it. And he was, it was just so much fun and he, he didn't worry about the fact that colors he was choosing were pretty. Going into sort of dark or what you might consider to be ugly color palette because I didn't want to be afraid of that. And then when I came through that, I was quite happy, you know, moshing around with mud colors or whatever it was. I then wanted to just do pretty colors because actually that seemed the most revolutionary thing to do. I don't care if they're pretty. I, I, I like it. Why, why, why is it more intense or more deep to say if they were odd colors? If they're apparently facile or just candy colors or what a kid would like. Maybe that's actually quite radical. <laughs> um, but he was unashamed about that. You know, all of those things, I'm sort of digressing because it's just that sense of meeting another artist who, where you realize you're not alone as an artist. You've been on this very solitary journey. You've gone into the heart of darkness and come out the other side, but you're, you're not alone. But at the same time, when I saw what this artist was doing, oh, I thought that was mine. It was incredibly emotional. I mean, everybody was going around and looking. I was going through kind of, yeah, I was dismantling. Something similar happened to me too uh, because of uh, the style that I painted with various layers. And uh, if I developed the first two layers and actually the painting might look okay, you know, 
Uh, so I've seen this famous artist with just two layers of paint, and I said, "That's mine. I've done that." It's a it's a mixture, isn't it? When yes, it is. But this this self discovery is so intense, you see, and you feel so unique, and yeah. it is unique. I mean, the fact is that that the you it's like a thumbprint. Yours and someone else's is never going to be the same. There's just something about it. Even if there are similarities, it's yeah, it's going to be different. So uh, that's probably another reason why in some of my works, I would probably say the majority of my works, I add specific numbers or letters, you know, because of the layers that I do. I will cover them up, but I know that's mine. Those numbers are mine under those layers. And once in a while I would hear, oh, I've discovered a number in your painting. <laughs> I think each one of us, we want to put what's ours. To me, that does also suggest a sense of magic. Yes, that you know, too. And the secrecy, um, you know, which is also to do with layers, that there's something magical about that, that you have, that, that you take off the layer, like the dance of the seven veils. There's an enticing to, to discover what's underneath, heightens it if it has layers. I mean, layers is, a, so, is so interesting. But it's, it's when, you're, when you're doing the layers, when these thoughts come to you about what these layers mean to you, that's your discovery. No one can teach you that. You build a relationship with that. But the numbers, you know, when you talk about numbers and letters, if you talk about geometry being a language or abstraction being a language that you can read, whether it's textures, because it's not, it doesn't have to stay with shapes or forms that are identifiable, but also numbers and letters are a language beyond the language that that we know. Letters and numbers are are aligned. Letters are were used as numbers at one time. We're going further back to quite ancient language, quite original language. With so true, yes. So we have a human. Our human history also gives us insights. When you start looking. I mean, and another thing is uh, adding symbols that you don't even know existed. You make the symbols your own. And then when you start researching and you find those symbols and I will say, but I thought that was my symbol, but yet they exist, you know? So I think that we, we enter a completely different world, you know, and this is the world of mystery um, and art allows us to go to that world, to another plane. We are channeling the energy from, from nature and we have it all just, and, but of this commonality, they found that symbol, you thought it was your own, you thought you'd made it up, and then you find out that there are symbols maybe existing in esoteric philosophy, and you can find that out and in different religions that have used symbols, that you are, in fact, tapping into something innate, inherent in the right. world around you, building blocks that are creative building blocks. So this is what's happening with this abstraction, this search for a language that seems non-referential. It actually, you come full circle and it is actually referring to the way the world is put together. You start to understand the way spirals, you see that in nature, you see hexagons in nature, you see circles in nature, you see lines in nature, you see curves in nature. And it's based on um, a mathematical understanding uh, the, the way this world is put together. And that is creative. 
because this is being created out of those building blocks. We're just digging down to some bed of, of creation. And it seems to me that making art takes you there. If you want to open up and not, and not worry about creating sort of a beautiful artwork, you might be actually stumbling on something very, very profound. Yes. And it's exciting. You know, what's also interesting is um, I'm thinking as you're talking that the artists that I connect the most with are abstract artists. The, um, their work is totally abstract because they feel it's only then I'm able to speak the same language. And this is not because I'm putting down traditional art by any means. I love well, you, you, it. You've created figures, haven't you? I mean, recently. The, the, the figures, they are, they, they are emerging on their own by working in the negative space. Figures just came, you know, and yet I was just doing a color field and the figure happened. It's, it's almost like I'm actually looking, I did a bunch of figures just last week. I think it happens when you have um, a need. It's my need to connect. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just looking at my figures. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of uh, um, reading about angels and um, thinking about angels, spirituality, and talking with you. You know, we're just talking about the spiritual stuff that I think that I was able to channel that into my canvases yeah. to transfer it. And, um, and it just happened like that. Yeah. But um, what I was saying is that when you speak with an abstract artist, it's so much easier to communicate than if you speak with the traditional artist that does perfect work, beautiful work, techn technically well done. But uh, many times I don't see the soul. I don't feel the soul, let me say that. I don't feel the soul of the painting. So our conversations are not as deep as when I'm speaking with the abstract artist they came from a different place, approached it differently. It's not to say that there isn't soul in that work. I'm thinking of a friend who paints trees and there's a resonance in there and there's a spirituality, very, very devotional, what he does. Maybe it's, it's a language that when you've, when you've gone into this place of abstraction, it's like a country that you've gone to and you can share with another abstract artist this country, the knowledge of this country and the lie of the land of this country. Right. And what that feels so, like. Yeah. So I, I'm talking mostly about myself connecting to the soul of the painting. Let's say a beautiful, uh, unless something really moves me because it, it reminds me of something else. So maybe I'm seeing something different. Maybe the light, the contrast will, uh, it's attracting me to a particular painting. Yeah. But I'm sure that the artist painting does it with soul as well. So just because I paint a certain way or I feel a certain way doesn't necessarily mean that others don't feel the same as I do. So I don't want to be... If someone is doing a landscape, they are really connecting with, with nature. But I, I think you and I like to feel like we're breaking down some kind of boundary of reality. Yeah. Of what we, what is, what is the prescriptive idea about the world around us, that it is purely material. 
which I think is so ubiquitous. It's so um, much the state of play that people assume that this is a reality, it has an external quality to it, it exists outside of us. That when you are able to take on abstraction, your quantum physics about yep. what lies behind all of that. I started being interested in quantum physics before I was doing art. I think I just found myself meeting quantum physics when I started this thing of, yeah, if it's not self-referential, if it's not human, if it's not landscape, if it's not animal, what is it? That's when I found myself getting into the idea of fields. Yeah. I taught while I do the art, I like to build in an awareness and I felt, and this idea of this other presence exists in quantum physics as the observer, the observer that collapses a wave or a particle that we, we are the ones or, and whatever is coming through us. If you want to think of God as an artist, you're, you're collapsing something into existence with every passing breath and nanosecond. And that's incredibly exciting. You feel, you feel uh, close to God. You feel like God in, in, in a way. I mean, you've got to be careful with that because you've got to keep your humility and know your, I mean, there, I, there is a hierarchy in that. Uh, but um, it's very exciting. I suppose it's almost like you're surfing a wave. You know, you get, you get, you're allowed to be some kind of passenger or ride on some kind of wave. And it's very, very thrilling. You're painting this beautiful picture. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm following you. I'm following your energy and I'm painting with that. <laughs> I know, well, because I've had, you know, I've, I've had artist friends who say, oh, this whole thing is not about talking. It's about feeling. It's nonverbal. When you sit with another artist, you sit in silence with each other and you understand each other. And, and that is a beautiful thing. It, to me, it's another form of art. You go, you go off, it's concatenation. Where ideas just tumble into one, into another, into another, like forks in the road, and just one idea leads to another. That's why conversation is so lovely. You so you're so good with words, though, Celia. You are incredible. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. I feel it like a responsibility. I'm a messenger, and I yeah. open up this world. But and you're the same, though, with your with your with the people who come to you and who who seek your advice and 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 you you run your workshops. Well, yeah, I suppose, but. Um... Yeah, we have two different styles that way. You can do it with words. I can just do it with signs. <laughs> with no, you, yeah, you don't need them. I mean, I'd love to be a fly on the wall with your workshops because I think you, you, it, it, it is true. You don't have to use words. You can breathe it into people. You can smile it into people. You can use your eyes and they get so it. Yeah. Yeah, they so get true. it just from, from presence alone. And I know that's what you do. No, but we are, I mean, we are here to also inspire others and uh, to believe in themselves more because we all have to do that. I have to do that continuously. It's not just once, continuously on a daily basis. I have to remind myself that I have to like myself. I have to give myself permission. And uh, so it's a continuous struggle, but it does become a, you know, a natural thing to do. And... Hopefully someday we don't have to do it as much. <laughs> Just, well, it's, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, life is a challenge. It's not, you know, oh, I don't think we're sitting here saying it, it, it's easy, but it's certainly, you know, to, this strong desire to open this treasure trove, this Aladdin's cave, this of what's inside you, I think is very strong inside of us because just so often in life that those doors keep shutting, keep slamming shut, and you don't realize what you what you have inside you. And there is, all human beings contain an extraordinary a mystery inside. You're creating a better world. And it's a, it's a revolutionary idea that you go inside, stop concerning yourself too much with the worries of what's happening in the external world. You, you, you heal yourself, you will heal, heal the world. Right. I agree with you. I'm 100% with you. I will always say that it just uh, we can really heal the world if we really believe in ourselves and we just um, and you feel responsible to help others and I, the same thing with me that's why I don't like to call myself the teacher again because I want to help without telling them what to do but if there is anything that I can do that is positive in their life then that's my mission then it makes me feel better and because I'm accomplishing something and hopefully they will feel the same way that they will do that to somebody else. And before you know, we would have created this other energy that is, that is more positive. Yeah. And contagious. Negativity is contagious. So is positivity. You just have to maintain that outlook. I think little by little we can change things, but first we have to change ourselves and that's work of art. Yeah. We'll talk to each other soon. Sounds good. Yeah. Ciao, Bye. Bella. Bye.